Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Join us every week as we break down one issue in global politics so that you can understand what is going on in the world right now and what's likely to happen in the future. Our host, Dr. Keith Souter, is one of Australia's leading commentators on global affairs and geopolitics. My name is Sasha Barbagat. I'm a journalist. And this week's episode is all about a man who needs little introduction, Henry Kissinger, who escaped Nazi Germany in the late 30s and went on to become the US Secretary of State under Richard Nixon, and he just turned 100 over a week ago. In a recent article in The Intercept, the love for Kissinger among America's elite comes under scrutiny. And Keith's here to explain why. <laughs> Hi, Keith. Hi. Tell us more about Henry Kissinger and why he's adored by those high up in America. Well, Henry Kissinger is one of the most remarkable people that you've seen recently in the United States. As you say, he's turned 100, which is a great achievement in itself. He's still able to do interviews. He's physically rather frail, Mm. but his mind is still ticking over. He's just been at the centre of the action for decades. In the lead-up to the election in 1968, Henry Kissinger was an advisor to another Republican candidate, Rockefeller, Mm -hmm. and he was knocked out in the preliminary rounds of the competition to become the presidential candidate for the Republican Party. He was then recruited by sort of social climbing by Richard Nixon. Mm -hmm. So he then forms this remarkable partnership with Nixon. Ironically, both get treated badly by history. Nixon and Kissinger are particularly held responsible for the extension of the war in Vietnam. In 1968, Lyndon Johnson, who had won very well in 1964 but had decided in 1968 that he wasn't going to run again. He was actually negotiating with the Vietnamese, the North Vietnamese, as well as the South Vietnamese, for the Americans to withdraw. Mm. And Kissinger got word to the, the North Vietnamese, don't agree to a deal with Johnson. We'll look after you if you hold out and don't sign that agreement before the election. In American politics, all the dates are set, so we know when presidential elections are due to be held. And there is, in the American system, what's called the October surprise. Election comes up early November on the Tuesday, always comes up early. In October, candidates put on surprise activities. Uh And so it was assumed that Johnson, the outgoing Democrat, was going to pull an agreement out of the hat, so to speak, in October which would help push his successor, Hubert Humphrey, over the line and keep the Democrats in control of the White House. So Kissinger got word to the negotiating parties saying, don't do a deal now. Mm. Wait for us. If Nixon gets elected, he'll treat you better. He's also speaking to the South Vietnamese as well as the North Vietnamese, double-crossing on all sides. Mm -hmm. And Nixon was saying, I've got a secret plan to end the war. Well, it was so secret, he didn't know the plan himself. (laughs) And the war then just dragged on for another four years. Yeah. I think a lot of people, although they despise what Kissinger and Nixon did, if they're politicians, they secretly admired it. The bravery to disrupt peace negotiations, causing deaths of thousands of extra, well, American soldiers, as well as the Vietnamese fighting on both sides. So if you're a political apparatchik, you are so impressed with Henry Kissinger. You may despise his politics, but you love his sense of bravado 
at his courage for double-crossing the country mm-hmm. um, at the cost of thousands of lives, but Richard Nixon did get elected yeah. and then got re-elected four years later, although he then crashed over Watergate, of course, which is <laughs> where these things go wrong. Kissinger is lucky because when it came to Watergate, he wasn't implicated. Right. So whereas Nixon went down and a lot of his colleagues went to prison, Nixon himself was pardoned by the incoming president, Henry Kissinger came out of it smelling of roses. And so he then gets ready to advise the next president, Gerald Ford, and has remained on good terms because he's such an institution. He's remained on good terms with everybody. Indeed, during the run-up to the last presidential election, when the Democrats were trying to sort out who's going to be the candidate, Mrs Clinton just said how much she was a friend of Henry Kissinger Mm. and he was an advisor to her. It's amazing what this fellow has done in terms of wheedling and dealing and whatever. Yeah. You know, he's the great survivor in American politics. The article we're discussing brings up the claim that he carried out war crimes in his time in politics. Explain that to us. Yeah, so the Vietnam War was ongoing and the Americans suspected, probably with a bit of truth, that the Vietnamese were being armed through Cambodia from China. So Henry Kissinger launched a secret war on Cambodia. Right. So he was dealing directly with the Air Force without going through the Secretary of the Air Force Mm -hmm. and asked the pilots to falsify their records to show that they were flying north to bomb Vietnam, whereas in fact they were flying west to bomb Cambodia. And it's an undeclared war. Mm-hmm. Congress wasn't informed. And when Prince Sihanouk claimed he was being bombed by the Americans, nobody believed him. Wow. But, of course, he was right. He was being bombed by the Americans. And the Americans, were, under Henry Kissinger's instructions, were falsifying their flight records. Mm-hmm. When did that come out? So that came out years... Well, Sihanouk was talking about it immediately, right? Sure. And then you get a number of people just sort of slowly going to Cambodia, seeing with their own eyes what the American planes are doing. Was there any pushback or repercussions for him? he got away with it. Got away with it. And the Viet Cong trails, the Ho Chi Minh trails, may have existed, but they weren't a super highway. Okay. Going from North Vietnam through Cambodia and then into the southern part of South Vietnam. Was he looked upon favourably at the time or were people not happy with his actions around Vietnam and then later when it came out, Cambodia? Um, if you're a politician who believes that the ends justifies the means, you would admire Kissinger because he is totally amoral. Mm. On the other hand, there are other people who are concerned about international law, human rights, and they're just, just appalled yeah. about his behaviour and continue to be appalled. So, for example, the Americans can't join the Treaty of Rome, which is what's created the International Criminal Court. Remember, the International Criminal Court is currently chasing Putin. Mm-hmm. And so Putin is now trapped in Russia. Very difficult for him to move internationally, as he was able to do before February of last year, because of the risk of being handed over to the International Criminal Court. Mm-hmm. If he lands in a country which has endorsed the Treaty of Rome, he will then be bundled off to The Hague, mm-hmm. at least in theory, Henry Kissinger would face the same problem. Kissinger doesn't travel outside the United States. Right. Because he may end up in a country which has accepted the Treaty of Rome. For example, he won't come to Australia Mm -hmm. because we do accept the Treaty of Rome. And the risk that he runs, as Putin does at the moment, is that he could be flying on a plane and the plane develops engine problems and then lands 
as an emergency inside a country which has accepted the Treaty of Rome. Yeah. So the Americans have decided they won't accept the Treaty of Rome and won't put it forward to Congress to ratify until Kissinger has died. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's quite a move. You mentioned a bit briefly his influence in politics extending after his time in office, and a lot of that has to do with the people that he calls friends and that he knows. How has he ingratiated himself in with America's elite? As I say, he's willing to work with any politician, and he created, when he retired from office, Henry Kissinger and Associates, which is a, a lobbying firm, which presumably is still in his, well, it's still in his name, but I don't think he's got day-to-day control of it, given his age and frailty. But he's got his own consulting firm with a, an impressive list of, of clients about whom he never talks, right? Mm-hmm. This was a problem, by the way, when George Bush Jr. wanted to create a commission of inquiry to look at what happened on 9-11. Originally, Bush wasn't going to have any commission of inquiry, so we actually know more about the sinking of the Titanic officially than we do about the destruction of 9-11 of the towers in New York. So Bush said, all right, I'll get Henry Kissinger to chair the commission because obviously, you know, with his name and prestige. And then the critics of that process said, yeah, but who's Henry Kissinger been advising? Has he been advising Saudi Arabia, for example? Of course he has. Mm. So Kissinger had to stand down from chairing that commission. Wow. That's a a way in which all of his clientele all sort of interlink with each other and it becomes very messy. But he's trading on his good name. As I say, people are just so impressed with what he's been able to get away with. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter and this week we're discussing the life of former US Secretary of State Henry Kissinger and the adoration he gets from America's most elite. Now, the reason we're talking about him is because he just turned 100. Tell us how he celebrated his birthday. Well, in Australia, we didn't do anything. Of course. (laughs) But in the United States, there are all sorts of meetings and other events put on to commemorate. It's it's an achievement to get to the year of 100, Mm. the age of 100. And so there are all sorts of events put on showcasing his achievements. And, you know, one has to acknowledge that he did pull out some marvellous changes. The most obvious one really is the improvement of relations between the United States and Soviet Union and the United States and China, communist China. Richard Nixon, as this well-known hardcore conservative who built up the early stage of his career being anti-China, mm was able to make the journey to China. And all the background preliminary negotiations were carried out by Henry Kissinger. It was a very famous weekend when he was in Pakistan. And the media were told, you won't be seeing anything of Henry because he's got a stomach upset. And all the journalists believed that, given, you know, (laughs) unsavoury conditions (laughs) in Pakistan. So we all figured he'd got travel sickness. But in fact, he had flown over the Himalayas and gone into China. Wow. And was actually paving the way for Nixon's visit to China, which, in fact, is now an opera, by the way. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Branched under the entertainment business. And, of course, Gough Whitlam had also been in China very publicly and was criticised by the then Australian Prime Minister, William McMahon, and then it came to light that Nixon was also going to be visiting China. And suddenly this added to the impression that McMahon was out of touch, even Mm. with our major ally, Mm -hmm. that he was not part of that magic inner circle being told about what Kissinger and Nixon were doing. And, of course, uh, in a few months later, he lost the election 
and Whitlam became Prime Minister. Mm. So one has to acknowledge that Kissinger did a brilliant job in being able to detect a window of opportunity under Chairman Mao, who made his own reputation, by the way, being critical of the West. Mm-hmm. So it's a great achievement to bring Nixon and Chairman Mao together and similarly to do work on nuclear disarmament with the old Soviet Union. And Nixon could do that because the right wing can't criticise Nixon very much or couldn't at that time because he was one of theirs. Yeah. Whereas someone like Jimmy Carter visiting the Soviet Union would have been ridiculed for being too soft on communism. I can't win. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. By the way, same with Ronald Reagan. He was the one who negotiated the deal with Mikhail Gorbachev. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for exactly the same reason. Only a couple of years earlier, he'd refer to the Soviet Union as the evil empire. Mm-hmm. And yet he was then willing later on to negotiate with the evil empire to create the first ever disarmament agreement. Not arms control, but the real thing, nuclear disarmament agreement. Yeah. Abolishing the intermediate nuclear forces. So these hardline conservative politicians have got the credibility with their side of politics and, of course, will be welcomed by the left. And it's interesting to talk to hardline lefties in this country about the turmoil in their side of politics when the photographs came out about Nixon and Chairman Mao, Mm. that suddenly their great hero, Chairman Mao, is drinking tea with the arch-evil person, Nixon. <laughs> you know, so what happens to the left? Is the right go into disarray, but then so also do the left. This is part of this Kissinger mystique that he can bring about these changes. You sound like a fan. Well, you know, I'm, I'm giving grudging uh, support for <laughs> Kissinger because as a political scientist, I'm just intrigued by what he's got to be doing. But then when you look at his human rights record, mm. he was responsible for the overthrow of the Allende government Mm -hmm. in Chile on the previous 9-11, September the 11th, 1973. He's obviously extended the war in Vietnam quite unnecessarily, enlarged the war to include Cambodia. He also gave the green light to Indonesia to invade Timor-Leste, what was then called East Timor, a Portuguese colony. So he's got an immense amount of blood on his hands. I've seen one estimate saying that he may well have been implicated in the death of up to three million people. Wow. So why didn't he ever face any sort of probes or inquiries or anything like that? This guy's a winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. (laughs) You can't put him on trial. Yeah. And the people who could would be the International Criminal Court and he's not going to appear in The Hague. Okay, so that's it. He just So so he's got away with it, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, fair. The article as well that we're discussing talked a lot about America's high society, and my impression was that it was quite scathing of it, given their love of someone like Kissinger, who is known to have committed these war crimes. What's your kind of take on that? I think that's quite correct. I think that we live in an age of celebrity and that people have got good names for things, even if they're notorious uh, supporters of unpleasant regimes, etc. The people at the top of society are just infatuated with celebrity, much the same way you get a teenager who's infatuated with a pop star. Yeah. So it's interesting to notice this article by John Schwartz, Henry Kissinger, history's bloodiest social climber, (laughs) which comes from The Intercept, that he ended up on this fraudulent company, Theranos. Mm. And the founder of Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, has just now started her prison sentence. So she's going to be behind bars for many years to come. He knows nothing about blood transfusions or a blood technology or anything, but he is a name. Yeah. And similarly, on the board, you have Jim Mattis, the Marine Corps General, 
who'd go on to serve as Donald Trump's Secretary of Defense, and George Shultz, who was the Secretary of State under Ronald Reagan. These are big names, and they brought instant respectability to this Theranos blood technology company. Mm. And Kissinger joked that he didn't ask questions of Elizabeth Holmes, the founder, because we're all afraid of her. Uh-huh. Well, that's not what expected of a company director. He failed in his role as a company director. He obviously took his fees, but didn't ask any questions. So this is Henry Kissinger's problem, that he's kept on as his celebrity. He brings respectability even to the most shonky of companies, and he's willing to put his name up for sale, to have the Kissinger brand associated with all this. And, of course, Theranos has collapsed. Elizabeth Holmes has gone to jail and Henry Kissinger moves on to the next disaster. Yeah, and enjoys his 100th birthday. <laughs> um, before we finish, Keith, I wanted to ask you, do you think Henry Kissinger's story teaches us anything or shines a light on how the world works and the I, way it works? Well, it certainly shines a light. You know, the power of celebrity, the power of, of an opportunist. Mm. You know, he's someone who started as a Republican but also was willing to advise the Democrats. He's showing how irrelevant party labels are. One American political critic used to say that there is one political party in the United States. It's the party of money, and it has two wings, <laughs> the Republican and the Democrat Party. Yeah. So he was tapping into, this critic was tapping into the unease that a lot of Americans feel, that they're losing out on all the wealth that's being generated. Kissinger started as a, a refugee from Nazi Germany, worked very hard, got a good education, including being at Harvard, did very well. So it's part of the American dream. You arrive as a poor asylum seeker, you work hard, go to a good university and make something really significant of your life. So that's the good story. You know, the way in which here's somebody who started with nothing and has ended with a great deal. On the other hand, you then have to look at his techniques, his double dealing, the double crossing that went on. And the fact that he has no problems at all thinking about the millions of people who've been killed indirectly by him in the bombing raids in Vietnam, Cambodia, Chile, East Timor, etc. So, you know, he's someone who's without a conscience, really. But at the same time, I know I'm sounding like a a standard (laughs) commentator on the one hand this, on the other hand that, you need to have three or four hands to lead my life. (laughs) So on another hand, he did contribute, for a while anyway, ending the Cold War and reducing a risk of a collision between the United States and the Soviet Union and then help bring China into the global economy, which you all thought was a good idea at the time. And we're all wearing cheap clothes, we're using <laughs> cheap Chinese equipment, etc. Now we're beginning to wonder whether all that outsourcing was so smart. But for a few years anyway, we've benefited from China being part of the global economy. Absolutely. He's a very complicated and influential person. Absolutely. And Keith, thank you for the insights. Definitely influential, definitely interesting. And uh, let's see if he makes it to 101. Thank you. Thanks, Keith. Global Truths is presented by Dr. Keith Suda and me, Sasha Barber-Gatt. Audio production by Niall Fernandez. Theme and original music by Matt Nicolich.